All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Resonate Into Riches podcast. I am your host, Marquise Trent, and I'm super excited about today's episode. Absolutely. I got another Richmonder in the building. For y'all that do know, uh, listening or may not know, I am from Richmond, Virginia. And uh, I guess it's a lot of talent. There's a lot of wealth. There's a lot of rich culture in my city. And yes, you know, for those who may not know, we are known for more negative things also, violence and crime and things of that nature. But there's a lot of wealth. There's a lot of resources, entrepreneurs, builders, movers, and shakers that come from my city. And I got one of those gentlemen on the line with us today. I'm so excited to introduce to some, but uh, I guess it's reintroduced to others. I don't know. We ain't going to be perfect. We're just going to make it happen. That's Mr. Samuel Adams Anderson. Samuel Anderson, I've known his brother for many, many years. As I just told him recently, I've always admired him, his work. He's always come off as a humble brother. But when you speak to him, you know that he is making moves. He is making money, but he's definitely impacting lives. So I want to introduce y'all to Sam Anderson. How you doing today, Sam? Man, I, I appreciate you, brother, man. Thanks for the kind words. Absolutely, absolutely. So briefly, man, just tell the people who you are, where you're from, and we'll get into the interview. Yeah, so actually, I'll start from college, went to Longwood University, uh, was majoring in business there, and by the junior year, I woke up and realized they were never going to teach me anything about owning my own business. Nowadays, you can actually major in entrepreneurship at college, which I think is crazy. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, entrepreneurship is going out and actually uh, implementing these things and, and putting it into existence. Um, but from there, I kind of fell into the mental health field, and that's actually where uh, Marquise and us and uh, myself met was when I was working in the mental health field. I uh, did that for about 10 years, but not having a college degree um, at that time in the marketplace kind of handicapped me, uh, but I was able to always talk my way into a different business and get a job. So last job was as a project manager for a mental health agency. And then uh, I could see the writing on the wall where that job wasn't going to last much longer. And I went to dust off my resume and I said, you know what? I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. If not now, then when? Didn't have a wife, didn't have kids. So I was like, you know, I'm truly betting on myself. So yeah. the first two businesses I started, I was still working full-time. As a hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not too, not too soon, not too soon. I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate that. So uh, just for the things that you may want to share, could you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Two-parent home, one-parent home. Was there uh, anything major that may have shifted your outlook on life that drove you to go to college? If you'd like to hit on a few of those things. Yeah, for sure. So my family is big on education. So okay. it wasn't something that was taken well when I quit college. Um, mm. My dad's been a pastor since the day I was born. So I uh, grew up in a two-parent household. Uh, mom and dad were always there, raised me right. I uh, had a great upbringing. Today, I think a lot of people don't realize how much impact a father figure makes mm. in a child's life. I think the, the numbers show that it like, you're 20 times more likely to end up in prison if you don't have mm-hmm. a father figure in the home. Um, you're like 10 times more likely to be um, in financial restraints mm-hmm. if you don't have that father figure in the home. So luckily, I was blessed in a situation where, you know, my parents have been together my entire life Amen. Um, and was and was raised that way. So that was definitely a blessing uh, coming up that way. Fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, when it comes to... When, when you're in that environment, did it seem restrictive? Because I know many times having a pastor as a parent and things of that nature, uh, you know, it can go a few ways. You have the, uh, oh, the household rules are so restrictive. As soon as I get free, I'm running wild. I mean, blazing my trail. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> that is exactly what happens. Bro, okay. I mean... Because I'm the only son in the family. Okay, so okay. My dad's preaching revivals outside of town and stuff like that. It don't matter if school's tomorrow. My mom's like, you're the boy. You're going to get in the car and go with your dad. So I was like, "Wow." Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like, yo, I love the Lord. But, yo, can we take a break, man? Yeah. Like, yo, all this church, <laughs> like, relax. <laughs> hey, that is funny, man. That is funny. And that that's that's something that I've learned, man. Again, you you, you see that reality where, you know, I love God too, born again, the whole nine, but I've learned that you can use wisdom when raising your child because at least from what I've seen in, in several households and things of that nature, when you're too restrictive, establish the rules. We know the scriptures mm-hmm. say raise up a child the way, you know, in the way that they should go when they're old, they won't depart. But if you do it 
where it's like a chokehold, you almost naturally create that rebellion in the child. Yeah, um, and for me, it was like, that's the family business. So mm. it's like if my dad was a carpenter, I'd have been on job sites with them, like laying flooring. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. looking back now and recognizing the knowledge and I got, because like for me, and I said this, my, my dad recently passed away uh, in October um, yeah. from cancer. And when I got up and, you know, I was saying a few words at his funeral, mm-hmm. one of the things is I was reflecting on the light, the lessons that my dad has taught me throughout my life is that he was the first example I had of a public speaker. And Ooh. I think that's a big reason why I am a public speaker now. Mm. I'm a professional public speaker is because I had a front row seat my entire life to someone showing me how to work a crowd. Mm-hmm. And I think often in the church, we don't look at a pastor as that. Mm-hmm. Um, now that you have these huge mega churches, you know, it's yeah. a little bit more uh, But growing up in the, you know, Southern Baptist church, yeah. um, congregation of less than 100 people, you know, it didn't really hit you like that. But mm-hmm. The way he could navigate a crowd in terms of like, you know, you're dropping facts, you're dropping knowledge, you're going through chapters, inserting a joke here or there to kind of keep yeah. people on the hook. Like, yeah. it's the same format that I speak in, and I didn't even realize that I was picking up on these things. But in terms of restraints growing up in that household, I can tell you, I went buck wild when I got to college, man. Because it was like, Absolutely. as a as a child, now as an adult, I respect how my parents raised me mm-hmm. because... Growing up in Lynchburg, it really wasn't an area where they had to worry about, you know, gang violence and drugs mm-hmm. and all these different sorts of things. Um, I wasn't exposed to a lot of that stuff until I was 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did. I, when I'm telling you, I went buck wild when I got to college. I went buck wild because it was like, <laughs> this is the first time, like, a lot of my yeah. friends were drinking on the weekend in high school and doing crazy yeah. stuff. I never smelt alcohol all mm-hmm. throughout my childhood, like none mm-hmm. of that stuff. So I definitely respect it. I'm probably, my kids are three and two right now. I'm probably not going to be as restrictive as my parents were, mm-hmm. but there are definitely many elements of how they raised me that I'll use with my children. Bro, that's powerful. First of all, I appreciate you you sharing your truth, sharing that story, um, because we know that those are foundations, you know, within us, you know, good, bad, indifferent things of that nature. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that. So you're originally from Lynchburg. Yep. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's cool, man. Um, When it comes, so I want to go back to something that you said. I don't believe it was quote unquote ill intended, but I would like to hear you expound a little bit on it more. You said you saw your dad being a pastor and stuff that he was, you saw that as the family business. Now, mm-hmm. were you using that language generally, uh, or what, or did you see more of the the quote unquote business aspect of it? Because, and I I end with this thought. Although we know, and again, you know, it's it's our faith, it's the belief system that we believe, you know, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all those types of things. But seeing the when it comes to the reality of the Christian faith and the church, we can see a business aspect of it where it's, this is a business. People run it like a business. People profit off it like a business. And then you have an aspect where, although this is ministry and things of that nature, we have an organizational structure to it to properly steward what God is doing in the earth. So from your perspective, when you made that statement, did you see it as, and, and this ain't to offend, you know, family of, or anybody. Yeah. I know you just shirt, you know, but did you see it as a business or this is what dad does? This is our life. This is, this is what's going on. Yeah, no, I didn't see it as a business at all. Being I'm able sure. to reflect as an adult and looking back and seeing, you know, like your, your deacon board is like, you know, your, your trustee board in the business mm-hmm. um, is your advisory board. True. I didn't view, I didn't see any of that when I was growing up. These were just subtle old things that were being tattooed in the back Understood. of my brain in terms of looking at that. Now, when I say the family business, you look at somebody and you take, take somebody who's a factory worker mm-hmm. and then take mm-hmm. Warren Buffett's kids. Mm-hmm. The conversations at those dinner tables Come on, are man. completely different. Come on, and man. I'm using two extremes, like just to show the capabilities there, but you know, when Warren Buffett's sitting down and having dinner with his family, they're not talking about broke mentality stuff. Yeah. 
he's enabling his kids and feeding them information to say, you know, hey, what did you learn today? Um, you know, what what are what is debt? Give me the definition of debt. Like learning the basic things that we're not taught in school. He was well equipped to teach this at the dinner table to his kids. So for me, like the family business was ultimately knowing who controls my destiny and having faith in in the right being. Um, but it was Powerful. it's a hard thing to describe being a preacher's kid, man. Like it's 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 you're growing I think up. You in, did good though. But go ahead. Oh yeah, no, you're you're growing up in such a different type of environment mm-hmm. because. Your dad's responsible for so many people. It's like come on, man. Come phone on, call man. comes through at nine o'clock at night and mm. so and so just passed away and the mm-hmm. family wants to minister mm-hmm. there by the by the bedside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So seeing those things. Now the biggest lesson that my dad probably hit me with was I don't and this is probably the reason I'm an early riser. Mm. I don't care what time of day I woke up, every mm-hmm. single morning I woke up, my dad was in his study. He was in his office reading. Wow. So, so no matter what time, <laughs> no matter what, man, I wake up at like wow. six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Oh, I got him today. And I walk by his study. He's already in there. Wow. Working. So without him <sighs> ever having to say this to me, come on, man. he instilled in me what education really was. Education isn't what takes place in four walls. Come on, man. It's taking the time yourself to develop your craft. He got better and better wow. at what he did at his profession because he took the time to continually develop it. Now, I think a lot of us as professionals, we get to a certain level. Come on, man. And we think that the degree that we have on the wall or like a book we read five years ago is going to propel us for the next 15 years. It doesn't work like that. You have to constantly be feeding your mind. Like typically wow. when I get in my car, there are two things happening. I'm okay. listening to an audiobook or I'm listening to a podcast. Because guess what? Okay. There are days I need to zone out and play a little Drake uh-huh. or something like that. But I realized a long time ago, Drake ain't never going to write me a check. Come on, man. <laughs> So listening to the newest Drake album over and over again for hours a day, that's not feeding into my soul. There are, there are systems and processes that we now have in place in my companies because of a 15-minute listen I had to a podcast on the way into the office. And something just hits me. And I'm like, based on what that guy said, I now know the new direction I need to take my company. So that's probably the biggest thing that my father instilled in me was self-education. Well, I, man, I hope y'all was taking the. So, so that y'all know, on this show, I be taking notes. <laughs> I, I got, I'm bringing good guests to you all, people that some I know personally, many that I don't. But I take my time to to ensure that I'm bringing high quality individuals that make it happen in life and business onto this show. And I just want to highlight a few things that he said because that whole one or two minutes was just full of rich nuggets. And although again. Sometimes we may hear these things prior, you know, we hear information over, but one thing that I learned from the faith as well as business, the scriptures say faith comes by hearing. Now the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But one day I was meditating on that scripture and I just took away the principle that that scripture was teaching. Faith comes by hearing. On the flip side of that coin, doubt comes by hearing. So what is it that you're continuously hearing that's feeding either the faith within you or the doubt within you? So what he was saying, one, he learned from his father. And before I even go there, a few things that he said, my dad, my dad, praise God, taught me years ago was, son, most stuff is caught, not taught. That is the power of proximity. Most stuff is caught from your parents, not taught from your parents. So Although, yes, you can and do and will teach your children stuff, most of who they are and what they'll become comes from what has been caught by them subconsciously. We know from age one to seven, the child is operating in theta brainwave state. So being in theta, they are literally a recorder. They're not really operating in beta and things of that nature to be able to to differentiate and they don't even have uh, reference points in their mind yet to say, oh, this is that, this is this. So they just record and record and record. So this man said he caught that whenever I woke up, I don't care what time it was. My dad in there, he's reading, he's learning, he's praying, he's meditating, he's getting to it. He learned from his father that education is taking time to better himself, better his craft. And that now Sam listens to audiobooks and podcasts. 
every now and then he'll throw on some music. But one thing that stuck out to me, man, you said one thing that you learned from a 15-minute listen changed what you did in your business. Watch this, y'all. Which changes the people that he's leading and stewarding, which then changes something in their lives. I want y'all to listen to that one more time. One thing that he heard as the leader, he then implemented in his business as a system and process which then positively affects the team members that he has in his organization, who then operating in those ways changes who they are, which then leaks out into their lives and their family. This now is the power. That, stay, yes, sir. Stay on that team real quick. <laughs> now, one thing. Okay. It was a song by A. Marie back in the day, one thing. Which one? That, that's the title of the song, this girl, A. Marie. <laughs> okay. I remember a song called One Thing. Okay. Now let me tell you this. So many people don't realize you are one thing away from your breakthrough. Come on, bro. And that's why I tell people, you know, it's like business is like um, playing in the major, major leagues in baseball. Mm. The more opportunities you have up to bat, the more likely you are to hit a home run. But it only wow. takes, you can strike out 10 times. It only you takes right, one time bro. to hit a home run. You're right. So I tell people all the time, it's that, because there are often times where, like, you know, I'll get invited to speak somewhere or to a networking event or something like that. And sometimes I'm like, man, I, I just ain't got anything. I don't feel like being on like that. Mm. But then some, some little voice in the back tells me, like, nah, man, you need to go. There, there's something there for you. Because okay. I never know. It could be that one person in that room mm-hmm. that learns about who I am and says, oh, I got your next client for you. And it propels us Ooh. to the next thing. It could be people complaining about, I ain't got time to post on social media and make this video. Mm-hmm. You could be one post away. Come on, bro. From one post. world changing. If you're looking for uh, that significant other in your life, you could be one contact away from meeting your forever person. Like, there's always one degree of separation between you and the next level. So whether that's that one podcast, that one book, that one meeting, that one social media post, if you just keep getting up to bat, and taking those shots, the law, the laws just work in this manner. For those who don't give up, you will eventually win if you're on the right track. So that's just always been my mentality is, is you just can't stop. And on that tip too, when you were uh, talking about church, I recently read this and I just want to hit your viewers and your listeners with this tidbit. I was reading a book um, based on black millionaires. And you guys take this for how you want it. But 70%, I think it was 75% of millionaires in this country, all are active in their church. 80% of all millionaires are actively either tithing or giving back to a nonprofit. And I think those are two components that a lot of people miss out when they're chasing success and they're chasing wealth, is they think, oh, just grind, hustle, and I can get my way to the top. There, mm. there are other elements in there. Majority of millionaires are married. Mm. What does that say about relationships, stability, and family? Um, so I'm not saying go to church to make yourself wealthy, but I am saying that faith is a strong part wow. of putting that wealth piece together. Wow. So first of all, that's 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 a whole that's that's ready to go in a few different places because I actually got some questions to ask concerning that. Thank you for sharing. Do you recall the name of that book? Hold on. I think it was one of my audio books. Let me pull that up. All right. So while he's pulling that up, I want to I want to go back to what he said. He said he read a book on black millionaires and in the book the wealth he read, choice. The wealth choice. The wealth choice. Hmm. Is that is, didn't you just go to an event at the time of us listening to this? That was I mean at the time we recorded this, didn't that okay. Yeah, the Blackwell Summit, but the Wealth Choice is by Dennis Kimbrough. Mm, Kimbrough, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I think I should hit on this. I think I should hit on this because it's important. But I want to come back. Let me make a note. I want to come back to uh, your wife and your family and the mindset and you, you, you said a lot. I want to keep the notes straight, man, because we're going to be dropping gems left and right. Yeah, here. I got the notes. I got the notes. So check this out. First of all, for those that are listening, 
for the, as y'all can see, you know, especially individual, Sam and I are colored, African-American, black, whatever term y'all want to use. And although there's a lot and has been and probably will continue to be the conversations on race and this and that and this and that, I think a person is misinformed or almost naive or just inaccurate if they judge the situation to say that African-Americans as a whole are not affected about the wealth that they obtain due to the things that we've experienced. Now, I don't play the race card or the victim card. However, I'm not I'm not naive to the reality of the things that took place and the traumas that were suffered and trauma can be passed down generationally. And although I like to say blacks have more than we've ever had, I would also be foolish if I did not acknowledge the reality of systemic racism that's still woven into our society. Now, I wanted I, I, I brought that up because The way the human behavior operates, there's a certain connection that takes place. If I go see a, a white man earn a lot of money, I can say that's cool. That's good for him. You know what I'm saying? That's nice. I can do it too. Just because he's a human. If someone can do it, you can do it too. However, when you see a person of the same color subconsciously, there's a deeper connection of I can do that too because although we are of the human race, again, I'm a man of God, I believe in the Bible, the scripture says there's one flesh of bird, one flesh of beast, one flesh of fish, one flesh of man, so we are of the human race. You know, you had Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their wives. Everybody on earth <laughs> came from those few people. I do believe in the Noah's Ark and the flood, and there's plenty of archaeological research that proves that's true. I digress. So we all come from each one, you know, we all come from eight different people uh, back in the day. However, even in the scriptures, you can see that it says they were separated by their tongues, by their language, by their, so we can still be separated by our belief systems and how we operate as people. I said that to say that there is a power in seeing someone that looks like you to win in life, to win in business, to win in marriage, because now... It's like looking in an actual mirror to say, hey, if this brother who lives in the same city as me, who knows some of the same people as me, can go and get married and have a family and start a business and be successful, I can too. I can too. So the importance of the things that he's sharing from his personal life, from his business life, you can then identify and say, hey, even if you didn't come, even if you didn't have both parents, at the end of the day, the key principle that Sam has stated was self-education, belief, faith, hard work, grit, determination, constantly going up to bat and constantly showing up because that day that you neglect to post, that event you neglect to go to, could have been the day that the person that was in the audience could have changed your life. Person was on Facebook, could have changed your business. Person that was on Instagram, could have received what you said and made you a millionaire. And that so, point that point you made there too is is why I do what I do. Like it's a big why. Mm -hmm. It's because I need people to look at this brown boy and see that Amen. I'm nothing special. Amen. Came from Lynchburg, dropped out of uh college, no higher level education. I don't have a degree on my wall. Um, I want people to look and say Dang, if that brother can do it, he ain't nothing special. I can't tell you how many people I look through on a list, and I'm not hating at all, but I'm just mm -hmm. looking at what they do, and I'm like, I can do that. That's one, one, one of the big reasons I went into business for myself, because I'm like, Dude. I'm working for these people. I'm like, he's doing a bad job. I could do wow. 100 things better than that. Um, but it is important that, you know, young black mm -hmm. girls and boys have the examples outside of entertainment and athletics. Come on, bro. We're more than we're more than that. There's a we lot are. more that we can do, um, and I'm trying to help close that generational gap, mm -hmm. um, generational wealth gap, because it's got it. It really isn't anything special. It's mm. figuring 
first off is figuring out what your purpose is. Like, I used to think it was, you know, when I owned the bubble soccer business, then a, then a valet laundry service, and now an Enzo media firm. Um, I own a vending machine business. I do real estate. I do public speaking. I own part of a networking organization. Um, I used to think that, like, my passion had to be one thing. Like, it has to be marketing. Mm. It has to be sports and entertainment. No, my passion is building businesses. Mm. That's what I'm good at, and that's what I know how to do. Um, but too many people end up six feet under, never discovering what their passion is. And it doesn't matter if you're 18 years old or if you're 88 years old. You figure it out while you're on this earth because once you start working in your purpose and you start walking down that path, guy, I can't tell y'all how excited I am to get to work every single day. Like I wow. cannot wait to get wow. to the office. I can't wait. Like wow. most people look forward to Friday and Saturday. I look forward to Monday. Monday is my favorite day of the week. Because like, let's get it, man. Like, because wow. nobody else is going to give this to you. And or, it's being that example and showing other people, hey, if I can do it, you can do it too. Fantastic. Hey, man, I appreciate that. I do. I really do. I want to go back to, as I was saying earlier, uh, when I met you in my eyes, you were already successful. So, then I saw you got married, you know, years later. What role does your wife or did at certain parts of your life, what role did your wife play, if any, in the success of your business or businesses? Nothing will affect you more as a person in business than the person you choose to marry. What? So many people have wrecked their bag because they picked the wrong person. Wow, man. <laughs> So let, let me let me go back a little bit because I learned this from a mentor years ago. Um, when I was still in the dating scene, I hadn't, hadn't found my wife. He told me, write out a list of the qualities mm. and a description of what you want your partner to be. Now, a couple things that does. Number one, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to keep that in my head. I know what I want. Universe doesn't reward you for that. You got to mm. put pen to paper, make an actual list. I don't know why this is so hard for people to do. But mm -hmm. Them just taking something out of their brain and putting it on paper is one of the hardest things for people to do. Wow. It shouldn't be. Um, the second thing, by you writing that list, that starts to transform you into the person you need to become to attract that type of individual into mm -hmm. your life. So I'll, let me use smoking, for instance. You can't write on the list that you don't want <laughs> your wife or husband to smoke, but you smoking three packs a day. Mm. you have to become that person that you want to attract mm. you can't say I want my wife or husband to have a six pack and be in shape meanwhile <laughs> you sitting on the couch 200 pounds overweight eating Oreos it doesn't oh. work like that you're not uh. going to attract that type of person into your life unless you become that oh, type of good. person so when that's I went good. through that list and I got physical with it too like my wife met the physical description of the list that I wrote Come on, 10 man. years before I met her um, but Throughout that process, you hear people say like, oh, I'm single right now and I'm working on myself. I don't think many people are working on themselves during that period. They're just looking for the next one. Come on, man. Time to work on myself. And once I wrote out that list, I identified the type of person I needed to be to attract this type of woman into my life. Now, immediately, wow. one of the things on that list, too, and a lot of people may find this sexist, but it's my life. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted my wife to be a stay-at-home mom. Now, I didn't mm -hmm. want to force my wife to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to marry someone who that was her dream of being a stay-at-home sure. mom. And that's how our life has panned out. My wife, 100%, wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. One of the greatest days for her, I think my daughter was maybe four or five months years old or four or five months old. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife texted me. She said, I wasn't quite ready for this. Uh -huh. She texted me and said, because uh, we're getting pictures from the daycare and like you're seeing your kid grow up. and you're mm. um, So she texted me one day after we got some pictures from the daycare. She says, I don't care what you got to do to make it work. I'm coming home in four weeks. So figure it out. Wow. Luckily, I did. <laughs> Powerful. But these are things that I outlined well before this person even came into my life. So selecting the right person, one that's going to be supportive, because I'll tell you this right now. I, I told, let me go back even further. My first date with my wife, let me explain to you something. It was a blind date ultimately. 
Um, I'd seen a picture of her on Facebook from one of my French parties, and I was like, yo, you got to hook me up with her. For so sure. It's ultimately a blind, blind date. We go out on a date. We're having a good time, drinks, food, all the good stuff. Bill comes. This is what I say to my future wife is, you know, I've been, I've been dating a lot recently, and I see a lot of women like the idea of, of being with an entrepreneur, somebody who's uh-huh. successful in it. Um, but a lot of women I found out don't really understand what that looks like. So let me break it down uh-huh. to you. Like, right. uh-huh. um, there are going to be weeks you don't see me at all. Wow. There'll be weeks where I'll be there and we'll make it up on the back end. Um, mm. but if you're the type of woman that needs a man by your side 24-7, it was a pleasure meeting you. I hope you enjoyed your meal. But if this is something that you can roll with, I'd like to take you out for a second date. And she says, no, I'll go out with you again. So from day one, I set the precedent. My number one goal is to be an entrepreneur. I ultimately said to her, I will give you the world. I'm just not going to give up on my dream. And I set that precedent early on. So there hasn't been a time in our dating and our engagement or our marriage where she's looked at me funny and said, this isn't what I signed up for. I explained to her clearly what she was signing up for. There are going to be some late nights. There's going to be some early mornings. I may be out of town from time to time. That's what it's going to be. Now, I started my business prior to having a family because I knew when I became a father, I didn't want to miss soccer matches. I didn't want to miss basketball games. I didn't want to miss recitals and all that other kind of stuff. So I built my business to a point that my kids are three and two right now, but I built it to a point that when they're five and six and sports and all these things are happening, daddy's not going to have to miss anything. Come on, man. Like, I, I prepared for this stuff well in advance before it showed up in my life. So my number one tip in terms of like relationships is you got to find the right spouse. <laughs> man, look, man. Did I mention Walking around, I'm just writing, 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 because it's it's so powerful, man. And and again, the purpose of this podcast is to help people to resonate and to riches, to get in alignment with the things that God has for them. You know, wealth and riches, yes, although it's financial, wealth and riches is also the freedom to experience your family without the the bounds and the bondages of having to clock in or to do this or having to do that and, you know, being subject to another person uh, where it's causing you internal anguish and grief. Of course, we're going to always have leaders. We're going to always have a person to submit to or some capacity, accountability, therapist, you know, whatever, whatever. But the way that you landed out, man, was so powerful, man. I I really hope y'all got the nuggets. And now, you know, I don't, I don't want to really get into this tangent, but I believe there is a grace in general when it comes to the woman being at home. Not that she can't build a business or something because clearly God has created them, male and female. Their name was Adam. So women are powerful beings. We can't take anything from them. We, we, the world wouldn't be what it is without them. Nonetheless, you know, man was created a certain way to lead, to guide, to hold the weight, to, to hunt, to gather and things of that nature. And just from what I've seen, even looking at Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman, go read the scripture. Like you ain't got to take yeah. my word for it. Go read exactly what Proverbs 31 said. So no, thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah. And when I, a man, and again, not the fear of sounding sexist. I don't no, care no, no, no. I'm with you. But yeah. yeah I, I don't care what people think. Say what you're going to say about me. I'm yeah. going to about my life. Um, when a man comes home from hunting all day long and killing, I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, because we used to hunt bears and wolves and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. Now I just go out and conquer through business. Um, For sure. I want peace when I get home. Straight up, bro. I want my kids to be well attended and taken care of, right? Yep. And I don't want to come home to drama. Ain't that wrong with that? That's what ultimately makes me happy. And like, my wife likes to cater to me like that. She likes to make sure she gets mad at me if she cooks a hot meal and I have to put it in the microwave. She she tries to time it so that the second I'm walking in the door, it's coming right off the stove. Man, that's beautiful. A pipe hot meal. Now again, to say, I know we got boss babes and all this other yeah, stuff. And yeah, yeah. They're doctorates and master's degrees. Go on, do your thing, boo boo. Do your thing, boo. In terms of like. 
because everybody let's see now you're gonna make me on tangent i, I gotta go on this now too <laughs> every and i'm just using women as example whether you're trans gay bisexual whatever <laughs> take this however you want i love it everybody like most women are chasing a 10 percent man mm. like i watched so many of these videos and kevin Come samuels on, is one of my favorite on this he passed away years ago but you you put a you put a woman on a camera and you ask her who's your ideal mate? How much money yeah. does he make? Most women are gonna say over six figures. Six yeah. figures are blown. They're all gonna say that. Um yeah. they're gonna say they want him to be tall. A woman doesn't want a guy that's five two. <laughs> she wants him to be in shape. She don't want a man with a big old gut. She wants to know that yeah. if Mike comes and breaks in that house, this man gonna be able to protect her. For so sure. for the most part, all women want a man who is financially stable and successful. Yep. Is in uh, good health, and he's tall. Do you realize <laughs> that there are only ten percent, ten percent of the male population in these good United Lord. States fit that criteria? Ten percent. Once you start bringing in health and the six pack and all that other kind of stuff, that's it like shrinks. four or five percent. Yeah. Woo! So you got millions of women all vying for the same attention of less than ten percent of the men that are available. Wow. You got to bring more to the table than, oh, I got a fat butt. Like, mm-hmm. my man ain't never going to go anywhere. Come like, on, he, I'm, I'm the freakiest one. Don't nobody care about all that. A man that's on a trek to success, I don't care. I don't sure. care. I need somebody who's going to support me, play their role, because I'm going to play my role, For and sure. don't bring drama in my life. For now, sure. take that. take that as you will. All right, but I'm just telling people the facts. These are stats. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you, and and I'll touch on it a little bit, and we'll move on. Not that it's a great conversation, but there's other stuff that I want to hit on because it is a great conversation. I want y'all to listen to what he said, and let let me take it a little deeper. He said, if you were to ask most women, and I don't, you know, a woman is woman- woman period like i you know so for those that wonder where i stand a man can never be a woman i'm just saying what god said it is what it is a woman wants at least six figures tall Mm -hmm. at least six figures tall in shape healthy looking good smelling good whatever whatever all right now let's 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 go back to to what's required because he told you what they want but let's look at the required one is the discipline <clears throat> to some level of healing or mental stability to be able to pay the cost. Everybody wouldn't be the boss. Most people ain't willing to pay the cost. Pay to the pay cost the cost, cost money. <laughs> straight up, to pay the cost of long nights, early mornings, discipline, working your body. If that's your route, cold showers, reading books, sacrificing, giving up your last, going all in on yourself. Feel like you're gonna lose your mind sometime. Like the 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 cheese grater of entrepreneurship that you get dragged across to become a finer, purified version of yourself. Now I want to add of integrity. Because you got a lot of people that's bossed up. They getting money, they making moves, but what is their level of integrity? People scamming, people know. finessing, people doing a lot of underhand slick stuff. Me and my wife would talk about a lot. And God dealt with me in Psalms 37. For those that's listening, you know, go read Psalms 37. It'll bless you. You know, don't don't be concerned when you see the people that's doing this and that, doing this and that. And that's true. A lot of people are being exposed these days for their underhanded activities and the, and the stuff that they're doing to get their wealth. But when you're talking about a man who's grown from a male to a man with responsibility, with mindset, with morals and values, that built himself into this, this being, he's looking for more than just a piece of tail. Because again, if he's already at that level, I remember the name of the podcast, resonate into riches, his vibration is so high in general. His belief in himself, his confidence in himself, he looked good, money in the bank. Man, women throw, literally throw themselves at him. So, for you to think that they're generally speaking, you know, I'm not talking about his God level and morality, but when you start looking at the reality of having a buffet of women, <laughs> driving a nice car, looking good, smell good, I look good, I'm in shape, but he got a buffet of women. So you have to 
be a woman that is of that level or magnitude for him to, generally speaking, want to settle to be exclusive with you. So you have to capture his heart in a way that's different than just a woman capturing his flesh. Because he can go to the strip club, see a dime shaking it, you know, butt naked, and he can have her. VIP, whatever, whatever, be no, going Jay, on with his Jay-Z life. Jay-Z said ain't no such thing as an ugly billionaire. I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> this is my point. So I appreciate you sharing that. But I want to digress from that. And again, women out here these days crushing it in business, crushing it in family, crushing it in life. I mean, dominate. So in no way would I take or can take anything from the woman that's out here doing what they do. I want to raise my daughters. I want her to be strong and independent. Straight like but that. At same, but at the same time, I'm going to teach her what a man is going to be looking for in me. Straight, straight, straight like that. Because at the end of the day, it becomes an aspect, as you stated, to the to the to the roles and the intrinsic desires. It's like a man wants that from his woman. Now, I want to yep. throw in this, which you may have seen. You may have this going on in your life. You can speak to it or not. But, like, when you get to a certain level that you can afford it in general, hiring housekeepers, hiring house cleaners, hiring people to do your grass and do all of these more minuscule tasks that can at times be draining I believe that that frees up more of the beingness of the woman to serve her man or be around her man. When y'all have the wherewithal to to have a you know house cleaners come in at least once a week, you know the wife can sweep, shoot, I sweep, I sweep, I wash dishes, you know. But having someone to come in when she here all day, why would I need to pay for that? Like like why not? Like, I mean, like look, why not? We got one. We got one life, man. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. If I ain't got to waste, <laughs> I ain't got to waste time doing a dumb stuff. To that point, I used to think when I see somebody paying someone to cut their lawn, talk about it. I was always, man, how bougie are you that you can't go out on the Saturday mm-hmm. and cut the grass for an hour? But when you start to recognize what your time is valued at, mm-hmm. if I can go out into the marketplace and I can earn two hundred bucks an hour, but I can pay someone thirty bucks an hour to cut my grass. I'm not losing. I'm losing money if I take that task on myself. I'm losing mm. 200 bucks an hour because I gave my time away to a task that I could have paid somebody 30 bucks an hour to do. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs often look at that and say, oh, well, I'm saving myself money. No, you're not. You're costing yourself a lot more by not delegating that task to someone else. So whether it's in business or your personal life, um, whether it's like paying somebody to detail my car. Yeah, I like doing stuff like that, but I ain't got three hours to get my tires yeah. shining like this. Like I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of there are two or three things that I believe we all have stupendous mm-hmm. gifts in. Like I think there are two or three things in your life that you can do exceptionally well. All the other things, give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Give it to mm-hmm. another professional who can do it. For instance, like uh bookkeeping and taxes. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing the checks come in, but I don't like all the stuff that has to take place in between <laughs> that. I could sit down and do my taxes. I can go on H&R Block and like fill out all the forms and do all that stuff myself, but it's going to take me double the time and I'm going yeah. to school. Like I know I am. I'd much <laughs> rather be somebody else who does this for a living that can do it in half the time and get me more rebates, um, yeah. tax advantages that I don't, because I'm not sitting down studying tax law all day long. Come on, That's man. his job. That's all he does. So understanding, and don't get me wrong, there are points in your business where when I first started a company, I'm the janitor, I'm the president, I'm the social media manager, I'm the videographer, I'm the account. I do it all. But once the income starts to stack up, you have to delegate this stuff because that, I mean, that's the, like Diddy said this in a video one time. He's like, this is the hustle. Like I'm paying you to do the stuff that I don't want to do. Like that's the grind. Because if you don't do that, you've ultimately just created a job for yourself. Indeed. That was a lot of nuggets in there. I don't want to take the time to unpack those so much because uh, I really want to find out and let the people hear about the successes that you've had. Um, I do remember at one point when I was watching you from, through digital land when I was like, oh, bro, I got the laundry business, you know, the, the pickup laundry business. And then I see you doing the soccer business. Now, one thing about me, I understand it. So I ain't never, in my, even in my mind, say, oh, bro, doing another thing, bro, doing another thing. Because I understand how this goes. 
So now you've developed successful businesses uh, or longer standing successful business, whatever language somebody want to use. But could you tell us about those two endeavors that I spoke on and then take us into the three that you currently are successfully running right now? Yeah, so bubble soccer was meant to be, and for those who don't know, just Google bubble soccer. You'll see people in these huge bubbles playing full contact soccer. They're just running straight into each other and bouncing all over the place. It's hilarious. It looks super fun. Yeah, so when me and my business partner started that business, we literally thought, man, this is going to be something that's going to be fun for a year. It's going to be a fad, and it's going to roll out. We had that business for seven years. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, seven years that thing ran. And the only reason it stopped oh. is because we got bored with it. I was like, mm. this business served this purpose for me. It opened up door. Like I got meetings with the Flying Squirrels, like the local minor league baseball team. Uh, we did some stuff at major universities. Come on, uh, we were in with like CarMax and like all these huge mm. companies were calling us for this service. So with everything I do now, that first kind of gave me my pedestal and like showed people like, hey, I'm here. This is who I am. This That's is what powerful, I do. That's bro. Um, but I want people to recognize like all the variety of things that I do, understand that there's a team behind all this. You may Word. just see my face, but there are other That's people it. that are working That's on it. it. When you see me open up another business or I'm starting this or I'm doing that, gotcha. it's not by myself or solo because if I was doing that, then I would just create another job for myself. Like bubble soccer, we had, and this was before virtual assistants were a big thing. We had a virtual assistant that handled all the booking for that business. Wow. 80% 80 of that business ran on autopilot on its own. Wow. So email came through the website. Our uh, virtual assistant would book it, schedule it, uh, set things up for payment, send them link to to pay the bill, all that stuff. Come on, man. Um, Then the only thing that me and my business partner had to do was schedule our employees in for the events. So I don't want to breeze over this. The first year, year and a half, it was me and him doing all that stuff. For sure. After the revenue started to come in, then we started to hire on staff and like they took these tasks on for us. Um, so I understand like that building, but I knew the purpose of that. I think a lot of people get in business and they're like, I'm never going to let go of this. Yeah. You should always, when you start a business, you should have an exit strategy. Like mm-hmm. at some point, I will sell Enzo Media Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now with what we do, my estimation, this business is probably worth about two and a half million. Um, Fantastic. In order for me to sell, I probably need at least double that to let that okay. go now. We have some systems and things like that in place that will accommodate that. Um, the laundry business was a great learning experience. Um, like I said, there, there are no L's in life. There are only lessons for me. Um, I had the wrong business partner for that business. He was doing okay. some, some stuff that I didn't quite line up with, and it was affecting my name in the business community, so I had to walk away from that. Um, I'm actually currently in the process of hunting. I'm I'm looking to purchase a laundromat myself. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Let's go. That's a whole other thing that we can get into. I'm I'm probably past the point of starting a business from scratch. I've I done it, it seven or eight times. Moving forward, my portfolio is going to look more like me acquiring different businesses. So a lot of people don't realize like you can go out and buy a business because this is going to be the largest generation that we see with small businesses folding up. You got mm. these baby boomers that have, they didn't have kids or they have kids that have no interest in being an entrepreneur or working. Mm. The business. So a lot of these business owners are just folding up shop, not recognizing the fact that you can go in without a dollar to your name and make an offer to a business owner and do seller financing. So the mm. way that deal can be structured is I can go into XYZ laundromat. I can see that, you know, the man that's running that is, you know, a little tired. He's looking forward to retirement. Um, I can go to him and make an offer and say, hey, man, I want to buy your business, but I want you to finance the sale of this business. And here Hmm. are my terms. I'm going to pay you X amount each month over the course of the next three years. After I've made that final payment, the business is now 100% mine. If I fail to make that final payment, you retain ownership back of the business. So there's no way they can lose there because I'm going to make improvements to the business, which is going to generate more revenue. But if I don't hold my end of the bargain at the end of that 36 months, they get the business back and they can turn around and sell it to somebody else for more profit than what I originally was going to purchase from. Um, So there are a lot of creative ways that you can get your foot in the door with businesses. But I think the laundry business is a great business. It's, It's one of those 
these boring businesses that people look at yeah. like I'm I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna put this out there for somebody else. But a garbage cleaning service. You could go through a neighborhood, make an offer to people, say, "Hey, I will I will spot uh, dry your garbage can for twenty bucks," and you can blast through a whole neighborhood in that week, make twenty bucks a house. They got machines or uh, trucks now. They do you pick it up a normal garbage can. We'll spray it on the inside, spray it on the outside. You put it down. It's something that takes less than 60 seconds, and you just got 20 bucks from somebody. Um, they may look at that, and you can have some some other services that you can upsell with that. Like these boring, tired businesses, laundromats, vending machine businesses, which is why I'm in the vending space, um, car wash it. Like all these things that people think are boring, there's some major money there. Um so with the laundry business, I do plan on making a return there and and, and finding a business that I can buy. I want to, um, first of all, thank you for all that, man. You know, definitely I learned just, you know, let people speak when people are flowing because there was a lot of great information there that we probably have to talk about at another time also. But I want to ask you about the vending business. But before that, something that may be very important for people to learn. How, how, where were you financially when you guys were doing the bubble uh, soccer business? Did you have a nest egg? Was this your side no, business? No, no. I was broke as a joke, bro. Like, <laughs> no savings. Mm-hmm. I had no budget whatsoever. As soon as I got a paycheck, that thing was spent. Um, Please tell me That was my this. side hustle. I was still working full-time as a project okay. manager, and that was my side hustle. Um, it eventually got to the point where I'm walking into the office working for somebody else and I'm physically getting sick. Like wow. I cannot stand coming in here to work for somebody else. anymore. <laughs> it wasn't because it was such a bad place to work. It yeah. was because I now found my purpose and mm-hmm. I'm in and, and trade my time for, for dollars. That's it just it. wasn't, it, it wasn't working for me anymore. So, um, it came to a point where I went to my mentor and I'm like, bro, I can't, I can't do this anymore, man. I got, I got to be out. Um, Cause I'm getting phone calls. It went from the point where like for six straight months of my full-time job, I didn't, I didn't have time to eat lunch because mm. that hour lunch breaks that I got, I was booking meetings for the bubble soccer business. Wow. So I'd drive to the other side of town, meet with somebody for like 30, 40 minutes, run back in the car, get back to the office before I got in trouble. Come um, on, so I went to my mentor and I was like, bro, I need to be out. But like, I ain't making any money. And he looked at me and said, well, now you ain't got a choice. Like, bubble soccer can't be a hobby. You got to start paying yourself and figure out how to make this thing work. Come on, man. Um, so I first hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did y'all hear what the mentor said? You have to start paying yourself and figure it out. Keyword, figure it out. Certain things in your life and business, you just... Have to figure it yeah. out. I think many times we wanted to just... the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could have gave me the answer probably. Oh, but he knew. Thank I, you, Lord. Have, like sometimes the kids got to touch the stove to really figure out that it's hot. Come like, on, daddy man. tells you it's hot. You're like, eh. Yeah. I think he's me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Once you burn on that stove, you learned a life lesson. When you see yeah. that red ring on the stove, do not touch because it's hot. Um. So for him, like he knew what he was doing. He had to put me yeah. through that test and let me go through my own fire. Because during that period of my life, I'd made plans to sleep in my car. I was back on rent. Wow. Um, I didn't know what to do. And this was the turning point for me as an entrepreneur. I had a roommate. Um, I since left my full-time job, was focusing on these two businesses, but the money wasn't rolling in like that. Um, I was Ubering on the side to make some extra income, but like this was it for me. Um, it got to the point where, you know, when you're renting, they don't, I know we're all homeowners now and we're creating wealth. There was a time we we're all rent. Um, there was a point, there comes a point where they're like, we don't care if you got 99.9% of the money. If you're one penny short, mm. we're taking you to court and kicking you out. So it was getting to that point. And I went to my roommate at the time. I'm like, look, man, I ain't got it. So here's what I'm going to do. And this is aging myself, but I was like, I'm going to put an ad on Craigslist. I'll have a roommate in here for you in the next week. Um, wow. But I'm going to sleep in my car. I was like, the one thing I knew I could still afford was my $10 gym membership at Gold's Gym. So I was like, I at least have Come a place. On, talk, talk. But I was like, I hit up a couple friends. I hit about five friends up. And I said, hey, man, this is a situation. I'm just wondering if you'll allow me to keep some clothes at your house. 
So no matter where I had something going on, where I had a bubble soccer event or I need mm. to put on a super business meeting, I had a house that I could drop by and say, hey, oh. I just need to jump in real quick and put this on and I'm going to be out. Um, so here was a testing moment where, and my roommate was awesome. He said, man, I ain't going to let you live on the street. But like, I had made up a decision. No, I'm not oh, going to be bro. here. I'm, I'm making this work. So it was, bro, I kid you not, the day, the day the rent was due, did not have it. It was not in my bank account. Come on, man. I started Enzo Media Firm. I'd been hustling, going around town, like promoting services, meeting with people, blah, blah, blah. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, man, I got four hours to figure out how to come up with this rent money. I get a call on my cell phone from a number that I did not recognize. Something told me to answer it because I had a lot of bill collectors calling me in that day. So I was ignoring a lot of calls, but I picked up the phone and this guy said, Mr. Anderson, you may not remember me, but you gave my company a quote for your services about six months ago. We weren't ready then, but we're ready now. Who do I write the check to? Jesus and I said, bro, don't go, don't move. Wherever you're at, stay there. I'm coming to get the check. Don't mail it. No direct deposit. None of that stuff. Stay there because I need to get to the bank today. And to me, that was, because I was talking to my parents, I was talking to some friends, and they all said, well, dude, you had a successful career in the mental health space. There are other companies that were hiring. Um, that was God testing me at that moment saying, Come on. Bro. Do you really want to be an entrepreneur or are you playing like you want to be one? So I'm going to test Come it. I had made plans to sleep in my car, do whatever I needed to do. And at that moment, things went up for me. Like since oh, that moment, oh. I'm not saying there haven't been ebbs and flows, but for the most, it's like the stock market or like the housing market. Like if you buy a house, the value of you, and you hold it for 20 years, it's going to keep going up this way. Now it's going to have some divots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But in, in 20 years, it's a lot higher than where you purchased it at. And that was that, that was my entrepreneurial journey right there. I had that decision, that moment in time to say, I have a choice. I can go back to corporate America and get a job and tuck my tail between my legs and tell everybody I tried this entrepreneur thing and it really didn't work out for me. Or wow, I can dig my man. feet in the sand and really double down and go after it. So since that moment, I have not looked back. Absolute fire. So I want to get ready to bring this to a close because clearly I can talk to you for a much longer period, bro. Fire, real talk, real fire, man. So, tell me, uh, I mean, man, I'm just, y'all, that blessed me so much. I hope y'all, I mean, I was over here like, wow. And and these are things that I didn't know, you know, which ain't like I would know. Uh, because one thing that I learned is when you're on that battlefield or when you're swimming, you ain't about to look like you're tired. You're still moving forward, you know what I'm saying? But you had your vision locked in. You knew where you were going. But could you briefly tell us about uh, Enzo Media, who you are, who you all are, exactly what service that you offer, and at the end, I, you know, please plug yourself and all that. But briefly, tell us. No, start with the vending, then go to Enzo, and then real estate. So tell me about yeah. the vending machine. How long you've been doing it? About how many machines you have, and um, how's that looking? Yep. So I've been researching vending machines for probably the last three years, and something just told me now's the time. Go after it and get it. So we started Legacy Vending. I have a business partner with that. We started that in February of this year. Um, so we're coming up on our first year, February 2024. Um, currently, we have three machines out, but I'm currently engaged with a couple of potential contracts. There's a new pickleball nice. court opening up in uh, Richmond. We got the contract to put a vending machine in there. Um, I'm talking to a gentleman whose company deals with the commissary at jails. Um, so we may wow. be getting vending machines into the, the jail system there. Fantastic. Those vending machines can yield one vending machine in the lobby of a jail could yield you two grand a week. Say that's what? not normal. That's not the normal number, but the traffic is so high in a jail and prison. Say less. The revenue <laughs> is just ridiculous. An average, wow. an average vending machine in the public place, you're probably good if you're doing about a thousand bucks a month per machine. Okay. Um, so. We're building that up, but I can sit, quickly see a scale. And my big thing in the vending machine space is going to be education. There is not one okay. conference in the entire United States that is built to show people how to start a vending machine business. So Done. I'm going to bring that to light in 2024. We're going to have some education content going on with that. It's done, bro. Um, I know you got it. Yeah. Enzo cool. Media Firm, I started yep. just about 10 years ago. Um, it'll be... I don't know why I start companies in February. It'll be 10 years in February <laughs> 2024. Um, 
where we started that, I literally started that out of necessity. I mm. needed these services for myself as a small business owner. And yeah. there's two things that I ran up against was that I make a post on Facebook and somebody's like, hey, my cousin got a camera last week for Christmas. He can do a video for 50 bucks. Uh, yeah. Studio that knew what they were doing and they wanted to charge me 16K for a 30 second promo video. There Whoa. was nobody in the middle to meet those needs. So um, ultimately, just reached out to contractors, brought them on board. I brought them all the business they could handle in the process of that. I just fell in love with it. Um, I tell everybody I dropped out of college, but I graduated YouTube University, summa cum laude. I just Come went home every single day and I studied everything I could about marketing. Um, so from there we grew. Uh, right now we're in Richmond. We have about nine people on staff here and we opened up an operation in Virginia Beach. Uh, last year, about five team members there. Uh, the goal for us is to open up in two more cities in Virginia. And then outside of that, we're going to be expanding to different states. Um, on. One other business that I didn't really get into with you was uh, Warren Investment. So in February of this year as well, I started Warren Investment. For the longest time I've known, wealth creation has to have some component of real estate. Um, mm -hmm. So I stopped making excuses. I just went out and bought two lots this year uh, in Petersburg. No house on the property, just lots. But just to give you an example, this was in Petersburg, Virginia, which is like the ghetto. <laughs> uh, most people are scared to invest in, in Petersburg, but I see a big turnaround coming from Petersburg. Okay. The first property I got, I, I purchased cash for $3,500. Mm. I just cut the grass last week down there. Um, <laughs> and that property is now valued at about $15,000. Why didn't do thing to it? So just by acquiring it and sitting there, my net worth went up another eleven grand. Uh, on, the man. second property I bought there was probably about forty three hundred dollars, and that property is now valued about seventeen eighteen k. Again, haven't mm. done anything to it. One of them I will be building a property on, um, but people need to understand like real estate is the cornerstone to wealth building. You have you got to be you, in the game. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Every millionaire that I study owns real estate. Man. And I'm talking Word. about outside of your residential property. Now I got like 150 grand in equity in my current home, which mm -hmm. when we sell, I'll be able to pull that equity. I can put it into another deal or put it into our, our next house. But people stop, especially us, stop yeah. sleeping on oh, real estate. Real estate. I just told it's you done. that I went and bought a lot for $3,500. All right. Wow. I'm not sure how much you can see of this, but there is more than $3,500 worth of kicks on this shelf. Oh, um, man. Yeah. So I I knew with anything, I could turn around and just flip these kicks and go buy the property. But the second property I bought, I put in an offer on three lots. One of them got accepted for the $4,500. And I called my financial advisor and I said, hey, man, my offer just got accepted on this property. He's like, awesome, congrats. And I was like, well, don't congratulate me yet because I don't know where I'm getting the money from, man. Like, <laughs> I got it. I didn't want to cash out my stocks. Yeah. Um, didn't really necessarily want to go ahead and flip my sneakers yet. And yeah. I'm working through it with him. And he's like, hold up, man. Like, there was an old 401k that you never moved over to me. How much was that for? Mm. Don't you know? Come and on. I got it. Don't you know? Only do it. <laughs> the amount that I had in the 401k was $100 less than the purchase price. So I only had to come 100 bucks out of my pocket to get that to the property. So if you put yourself in the right situations, the solution will come. Your mind gets to working and you'll come figure on, out these things. So like, even though I didn't have the money in my bank account, I went and got these two properties and it all worked out. Man, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal interview. If I didn't have other things to do right now, <laughs> I'd say, let's keep going, well, man. We're going to definitely have to talk. Two sometime, man. Give me a call and we'll do, give him a part two. We'll Absolutely, that bro. This was fire, man. I got, I got, man, I got a page and a half, y'all. I'm talking about front and back and half, man, of notes, man, just nuggets and stuff. But please let the people know where they can find you, all social media, all of that, how they can book your services. He got social media marketing, video marketing. He, he has a marketing firm. He makes great content, fire editing. It's crazy the stuff they be doing over there. Enzo, please tell them how they can find you. Yeah, for sure, man. You can go search Enzo Media Firm, Enzo spelled E-N-S-O. Uh, you can find all my social, uh, my personal social pages. Uh, you search Mr. Preneur, uh, Sam Anderson. I'll pop right up. Um, but man, first off, want to appreciate you, give you your flowers. Thanks for having me on. Um, people think that the podcast world is like being dominated and there's too much. 
we need more content like this, man. And especially awesome. with people that look like us to get the information. Because I remember my dad said this as a joke from the pulpit one day, and it still resonates true. This is the joke that other cultures used to have about us is, is that if you want to hide something from a Negro, put it in a book. Put it in a book. And we got to make sure that we are continually educating ourselves, seeking this knowledge, because there's no excuse in today's world when you got guys like Marquise, like giving you this information for free. It doesn't cost y'all anything to download this podcast. Right. So I applaud you for your efforts and what appreciate you're doing, man. Looking forward as well, brother. I appreciate you, man. So, find them, Enzo. Any other any other plugs of your business or social media? Anything? Or I'm you not. Y'all just look me up online. Cool. You'll see what I'm up to. Look them up. Look them up. So again, y'all, this was Sam Anderson hailing from RIC 804. That's right, hometown, hometown, and uh, Rich in Virginia. That's right. Rich man coming out of rich man. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate y'all for checking out the Resonate Into Riches podcast. Check us out. Y'all know how to find us. Just Google us. You can also look for us on YouTube. We got shorts. We got clips going on. And y'all stay tuned. We have so many more powerful guests coming to drop the nuggets, the jewels, the gems, the sauce, and everything in between to empower you to be your best self. God bless.